So before I start, I want to let you know that this sermon this morning was inspired by an essay that was written by Dr. Derek Weber. He's a United Methodist pastor and a preacher of homiletics, or in other words, a preacher, uh, a teacher of preaching. Will you pray with me this morning? Gracious and holy God, we give you thanks. As we enter into your presence with great expectations, May the meditations of our hearts and minds and the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight, for you are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. So there was this king that lived a long time ago, and this king one day was sitting back in his easy chair, and he was watching a game of thrones between the Philistines and the Amalekites. He was enjoying his favorite beverage, and he was feasting on a plateful of luscious fruit and nuts from the region. He was thinking how wonderful life is and how he had just absolutely come to the pinnacle of all things that were good in life. And then he turned and looked out the window. And he saw a sight that he saw every day when he looked out that window, but for something, some reason, it caught his attention differently. Just beyond his backyard, just beyond the gardens and the green lush space, in the dusty outer edges, there was this tent. And in that tent lived God. And the king said to himself, this does not seem right, that while I am here in my palace with multiple floors, bathrooms on every floor, a stable for all of my horses and chariots. God should live outside of the palace grounds in a pop-up tent. It just doesn't seem right. And so the king got this bright idea. And he called to his religious advisor and he says, I want to build a house for God. I want this house to have have these grand halls for gathering of people, marble floors in ballrooms fit for celebration, and a special chamber that holds a gold inlaid throne for God to sit on. The advisor thought, oh my gosh, that's a great idea, and so he ran out quickly over to God in the tent, and he revealed the king's plans to God. But God wasn't so keen on those plans. In fact, God liked his tent. He said, he explained, he said, this tent is mobile. It can go where people go. I don't get bogged down with a mortgage and a DIY projects. I'm free to go wherever my people are, to see where they are, to go and be with them. Besides, God says, it's I who am in the home building business, not the king. Wasn't it I who led the people to their new home in the promised land? Wasn't it I who made the king feel safe enough that he could even put together his new home with fresh cedar in the first place? Yeah. I am the god of home establishment business and the entire reason behind selecting the, God, the king's people was to give them a home, 
And then let them be the home for the whole world to come to. And then God says to the advisor, tell the king no, he may not build me a home, but I'll make him a promise. His son can. Now this odd little story of a king and a and God and a building program can be found in 2 Samuel in the seventh chapter. And it is the Hebrew text that is in the lectern for the fourth Sunday of Advent. It's the story of King David and the prophet Nathan. And when God says no to King David, and after King David can, is disappointed and licks his wounds, he begins to realize that in God's promise, that it surely means that he has said that his own son Samuel would be the one who would build God a home. And in fact, Samuel did build a temple as a home for God, and God must have liked it because throughout the Hebrew scriptures we see that God visits the temple from time to time. But it was never God's home. In fact, that temple was always called Solomon's Temple until the day it was destroyed some 30 years after the death of Christ by the Romans. So I wonder what was it that God meant when he told David that his son would build a home. David didn't get it. Solomon didn't get it. But then I read our story told by Luke, and I think perhaps the young backwoods teenager just might have got it. Could it be that God was talking about the son who would not build a home with human hands, but would instead build a home which is constructed in the waters of a virgin's womb? Let's read this story from Luke. It's in the first chapter, verses 36 through 38. Listen now, or 26 through 38. Listen now to what Luke tells us. In the sixth month, the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. Okay. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by this word and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He'll be great and will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will be, have no end. Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, 
the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. This is the word of God for the people of God. So you're going to have a baby boy, Mary, the angel says. You're going to have a baby boy. Isn't that great news? (laughs) That must have seemed pretty surreal for Mary. She was young. She was inexperienced. She had so many questions, she didn't even know what to ask first. She says, nope. She says, I'm pretty sure that's not possible. And then the angel says, oh, but Mary, don't you know? Don't you know that with God, everything is possible? Nothing is impossible. And it was at that time that God took up residence in Mary's womb. And for the next nine months, God put on flesh and then was born of Mary. And God hungered and thirst. God felt pain and sorrow. God played and slept. God worked and sweated. God laughed and cried, God loved, and was abandoned. You see, David wanted to build God a house on top of a great high mountain, one that could be seen for miles, one that was removed and remote, separated from the people. But God God wanted to build a home closer to the deep realities of every day living in this world. And so God wanted to take up residence in the backwoods of the Galilean uh, hillsides. God wants to take up residence in the trailer parks and the low-income housing. God wanted his home to be among the people on the hillside whether they ate their fill of bread and fish and God wants to make his home among the people who wait in line for a box of groceries at the Decatur Methodist Food Pantry. God wanted to make his home in wedding celebrations and dinner parties and and all the things that help us be a community together in hospital rooms and in funeral chapels, in courtrooms and prison cells, in dark streets and on wooden trees between two thieves where forgiveness was not only witnessed but it was experienced. I don't know what Mary knew in those nine months that followed the angel's visit, I don't know what Mary knew or understood when she looked into the eyes of her newborn baby after the pains and labor of giving birth and and struggling so to keep warm on the straw 
that was found in the stable. I don't know what Mary knew when she saw him teaching the rabbis in the temple after three days of losing him. I don't know what Mary knew or understood when he preached and he taught on the hillside. I don't know what Mary possibly knew when she watched him suffer and die. But I do think that Mary knew that because God took up God's home in her womb, she would never be the same again. So friends, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, wants to take up residence in your home, in your living room, in your bedrooms, your kitchens, your playrooms of your life. God is with us. God calls us favored ones. And he is asking us to let us let him come into our lives at Christmas. And just like tiny babies, we don't always know how we're going to find a place and space and, and room in our busy lives for them, but they just seem to fit in. God doesn't take up much room. Only what we can give God, God will fill. We're waiting on the threshold of Christmas this morning for the birth of Christ. Are we ready for the company that is coming?